Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, everybody. Um, Happy New Year. I know it's like the 18th of January or whatever. Maybe a little late to wish you a Happy New Year, but it's the first time that my voice has been in this feed in 2023. And you may notice the glaring lack of my co-host, Jennifer Owen Youngs. Um, But hey, guess what? Jenny's not here because she and her wife, Jess, welcomed their son, Alderic Youngs, at the end of December. So they're having some time with a tiny little baby, uh, everyone is healthy and happy. And Frank, especially, is a very, very proud big brother. Um, so if you haven't already, send your love over to them. Uh, we'll have Jenny back, of course, in the space very soon. But in the meantime, let's do something that Jenny would find simply delightful, which is talk about the Sexual Tension Awards. Um, I know that we have finished the series of Buffering the Vampire Slayer, but we may never finish talking about sexual tension. You know what I mean? Right now, we are in round three. This entire thing is run by our listener, Emily McLongstreet, who deserves a standing ovation every day of the year, every year of the century. I don't know how to measure time, but Emily is in the third round. We are voting on who has the most sexual tension in the entirety of all seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is something to take very seriously. Bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash STA will always take you to the round that we are currently in. So get over there and vote. Um, we've got Cordelia and Cordelia. We've got Buffy and Faith season three. Giles and Ethan are still in it. Spike and Buffy, of course, are still in it. I noticed recently that Angel actually is like barely in, I guess the trio of Drew and and Angel and Spike is in there. But it's very funny and delightful to me that um, Angel and Buffy were never in the finals. Sorry, Morgan. Okay, now that I've made at least 50% of you mad at me, uh, let me tell you this other thing, which is that it's the end of January, which means that we're going to have a sale in our store on merch, because that's what people do in January. Uh, Here's how you can get the sale code. You just have to sign up for the newsletter on the website. Um, Really, transparently, it's just because I haven't gotten the sale code yet, so that's my way of saving myself a day. Plus, we don't really send a lot of newsletters anyway, and it's a great way to stay on top of all the new things that are coming your way, like you know, our next podcast and other fun stuff. How do you do it? You just go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com. There's a form right there that says sign up for our mailing list. Do that. And by the end of the week, you'll get a sale code that you can use in the UK store or the US store to get uh, a pretty hefty discount on most of the items in uh, the store. All right. One other item of business for you, Uh, just in case you're wondering, we're about to roll into the seventh of 10 episodes of Doom Coming, our coverage of Yellow Jackets. We are rounding the bend. Uh, Everyone is really hungry. Um, It's getting cold. What is going to happen? Before we go over there, I just want to say that on Patreon today, this very day, we have uh, released our very first 
buffering the Vampire Slayer episode in season eight. We're covering the comics, the Dark Horse comics, which are canonically included in the story of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that first episode is me and Jenny covering the four issue arc uh, of The Long Way Home and the fifth issue in season eight, which is The Chain. So we talk about all five of those issues and I just edited it. It's a real good time. Uh, The link for that coverage is in the show notes today. And um, patrons, if you're a $5 patron or higher, you already have that episode in your feed. um, And you should be getting at least one episode every month covering four to five, you know, the issues. It depends on sort of the rhythm of the issues. um, But we'll be working our way through season eight as we work our way through 2023. Okay. Okay. Miss you all. I know a lot of times when I'm here by myself, I sing a song and I didn't sing one. So here's a song from me about nothing except for yellow jackets and dogs are nice. And also I miss you. Okay, bye. Welcome back to Doom Coming. Little little podcast where we're talking about yellow jackets. Did you jackets. forget? For you but forgot for casually. a second. What is it again? What is this podcast about? No, I thought maybe you were gonna. No, jump Jenny. In. What I do every time you start with your intro is is immediately run to the computer to look the show up on IMDb because I have forgotten now seven times <laughs> in a row that I have to look it up. So in case anyone's wondering well, what I'm doing, uh, let me let me help you out by saying while well, you do that. We're talking about season one, episode seven, No Compass. Uh, Kristen, compass. Yeah, I was just going to say compass, huh? I say compass. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically, you're Uh, right. You would be right based on, well, I don't know. Like, no compass would be, I think, phonetically. (laughs) Two out of two out of two women I've ever been married to agree that it's compass. (laughs) But you're such a uh, rule follower that like the O is compass, I think more. It would be C-U-M-P-A-S-S yeah. if it was compass. Right? But um, but now that I know that Jess is on my side, I hold to my uh, beliefs. <laughs> well, be that as it may, this episode was uh, written by Ashley Lyle, Bart Nickerson, and Catherine Kearns, directed once again by Eva Sarhog, and... Uh, it aired, it went live on December 26th, 2021. Very special little Christmas <laughs> for everyone. Merry Christmas, Wolf Attack. Uh, this is the one where, as starvation looms, Thaisa leads a last-ditch effort and or suicide mission. The Yellow Jackets are forced to commit small talk. <laughs> Okay, so is the focus of this episode breakout groups? I love that because I have nothing in the notes. I was like, ah, uh, question mark. But yeah, we've breakout got the present groups. day ladies in the van. We've got the 1996 ladies on a trek. We've got Misty and Jessica in the basement, <laughs> just gal palling around. Don't forget about Caligula. Caligula is there somewhere. <laughs> 
Um, yes, I love that. This is the group project episode. This is the breakout into small mm-hmm. groups. And mm-hmm. good luck. I hated a group project. Hated. Really? Yeah, pref- I just... You prefer to work alone? Yeah, I just... I mean, honestly, it follows me to this day. I just get stressed out because I'm a... Um, like, by default, I'm a people pleaser and also a perfectionist. And that's a really horrible combination for group projects. <laughs> I want to keep you happy, but also yeah. I don't like your idea. Conundrum. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> what do, yeah, what totally. does a person do? <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, Jenny, is just a, um, an image from last episode that I did not notice until I watched it in the previous Leons for this episode. Um, mm. You know, we talked about there was a big baptism for Lottie um, done performed by Laura Lee. And Lottie is looking up at Laura Lee, and I just, in the previous lands, I must have hit pause right on the image of Laura Lee through the water, like like uh, Lottie Cam through the water looking up at yep, Laura Lee. Yep, yep, And this is, it's not like this big reveal or anything, it's just, it is such a, uh, a specific image where it looks like Laura Lee has like the halo of the sun around her head, and having been raised Catholic, I immediately was like, "Oh, this is clearly like like religious iconography," and like specifically for me, made me think of like all of the like Virgin Mary iconography and stuff like that. Um, so I just wanted to to say that you know the the halo has been a symbol for a bajillion years. That's exact um, history for you, yeah. uh, and it and it's been used to indicate not only holy figures but also like rulers and heroes, you know, in like in art and things like that. So I just thought it was really cool, and we didn't talk about it last week because we talked for two hours, and you know, <laughs> you ca- I, I can't catch everything. Did you? Did you say million, billion, or bajillion? I think I said bajillion, but impossible to A know. A biblically accurate bajillion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. In a win for us, there were no flashbacks prior to 1996 in this episode, so we claim victory. Nice. <laughs> Kristen, I wish I could high-five you through Zoom right now. <laughs> uh, the title of this episode is also very specific, uh, clearly indicating the fucking compass of it all, literally and figuratively. I love when a title is nice and easy for Kristen. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking at our shared show notes and kind of wishing that they'd taken your lead and named the episode Lottie and the Magic Bone. (laughs) That was a little Buffy crossover for us. Uh, I was so (laughs) excited that yet another Magic Bone exists, Uh, (laughs) not just Jonathan's. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Should we start there with Lottie and her Magic Bone? Let's do it. I mean, that's That's kind of the whole thing. Lottie has a Magic Bone. (laughs) Yeah, well, this is... This is a bone that she pulls from the burnt corpse of the maggot deer from last app. And and they've burned the body, but somehow there's one bone unburnt. Let's call it the wishbone, even though it's not. It's literally what I thought when you said that. I was like, it's like the wishbone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, This bone looks great, uh, but I can't (laughs) trust a bone. That one that that came from a burnt body, but yet itself did not burn. Yeah, yeah. But like bone, do bones? I mean, I know that like this is an un, it's like unscathed, like it's just white. Um, but like, do bones? I guess they do because if you're cremated, then your bones burn. But it's got to take a long time for well, to bone, but also burn cremation like uh, facilities. I think can make the du- make the bones into dust. 
I think the the temperatures that they can achieve are yeah. much greater than like you know a campfire in the wilderness or whatever. Also, you know, as a kid who grew up in the woods and was like really stoked when I would like find like a dead deer in the woods or a dead raccoon or whatever, I'd be like, "Wow, this is so cool! I can't wait to have a perfectly like bleach white." Uh, skull to commemorate my finding this dead animal in the woods in order to get the bone as like white and visceralist I mean maybe this is also a mystical component right for your consideration but in general you've got to you know apply some very specific uh fluids and pressure mm-hmm. and scrubbing mm-hmm. to to get a bone looking this good Hunter listeners, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Mm -hmm. that has been my experience. I love that you as a child, like that your reference is being a child with the carcasses of animals in the woods. Kristen, the only thing I wanted in my life when I was a kid was to come upon an owl pellet in the woods and it never (laughs) happened for me. I wanted that. I wanted a fucking tear into one of those and find a little mouse skull so bad oh my god still you've never uh, found one i never have they have owls now in- you can friggin' like order them on the internet and i'm like that's cheating yeah but also but- i'm kind of like should i do they have owls in maine yeah we got owls well keep up the hunt keep up the good, right. the good search jenny i'm sure frank would love to help you oh my frank can't <laughs> frank can't tell there's a groundhog that like lives in the backyard and this thing will be like out in the middle of the yard, just like doing its nails or something <laughs> and allegedly, you know, just sprawled. And Frank will come outside and look everywhere except <laughs> where the groundhog is. He can be, lo- we know where the groundhog's little hole is because sometimes, <laughs> you know, he'll be sticking his head out from under this fence and Frank will look just to the left or just to the right. He's like, I smell it. I know Frank. something is up, but where could it be? And he's like six feet away from me. You know, he's a special guy. Oh. And meanwhile, I'm Googling, are there owls in Maine? Surely there must be. There are. Yes, yes. Look at all these beautiful owls that live in Maine. Owls. If we have any owls in Maine who are listeners... Owlers or owls? The no, guys straight, straight up, up owls. owls. Great. Please come yak up an owl pellet <laughs> at my house. Thank you. Oh, when Jenny and I uh, lived together in Brooklyn and uh, shared a cat named Trey. Every Christmas, we would get a Christmas tree, and Jenny's favorite thing in the world was when Trey would, and he would only do it one time every season. He would just take a shit under the Christmas tree. (laughs) I just love that he thought he was outdoors. I know. It was nice for him. A city cat, you know? know? (sighs) Exactly. Uh, All right. So back to the magic bone of it all. Um, Please. Lottie has has shared with I really love Lottie and Van's relationship, what like what we have seen of it thus far, because you know, people are people make a lot of cracks about Lottie. Clearly the most extreme is like a the tie of it all, just absolutely refusing to believe any of it and being like, Lottie, you're out of your fucking mind. But I just love Van the way that Van relates to Lottie and like really listens. I mean, clearly after this trip, well, we'll talk about the sadness of that in a minute but like 
you know, clearly there's been more proof for Van to now believe Lottie. But even before that existed, I feel like Van was on board. And so Lottie, um, you know, trusts in Van that Van will like wear this bone for protection. And she tells her that she is she's had a dream that had like a river of blood and red smoke. Was that what the mm-hmm. other thing was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's how Van got a lot of magical necklaces changing the wearers. We've seen the necklace on Jackie in the pilot that moved to Shauna and then back to Jackie. Now we have the bone necklace that's on Van, but we see it on Ty. I like that the heart necklace has only just like transferred from body to body and we're like the powers Imbued by the power of the island. Yeah, yeah. Thaisa, I think, says again in this episode, it's not an island. I'm like, she knows I love it. Say it again, Thaisa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, uh, I mean, let's stay in 96 and go into Thaisa um, sort of first arguing uh, her, her point and then later gallivanting into the great unknown. Thaisa wants to go, and this makes sense because they've been where they are for somewhere between t- two and 12 weeks, <laughs> and uh, no one has come looking for them, and it's, it's uh, you know, still, rel- you know, relatively warm out. I've been reading about Miracle Flight 571, mm-hmm. which is a flight that uh, crashed in the Andes. Okay. Uh, that was carrying a men's rugby team, I believe. And uh, it's a big inspiration for this show. And they went down in uh, you know, a time of year where it was just totally, it was all snow, very, very deep drifts, and the plane was white. So the search was actually called off after eight days or something. Wow. Uh, versus this situation where they've crashed and it's like warm out and you would think that there that there would be search parties doing flyovers and stuff uh i mean maybe there maybe the navigation with the plane or the tracking with the plane or whatever was so off maybe what happened with with uh what happened with miracle flight 571 was that the the pilots checked in with uh I don't know, air traffic control or as they were growing down, but they were, but they were mistaken about their last check-in point. And then the crash occurred sometime after their last check-in point. So the search parties were looking in the wrong area. Then eventually the search parties actually like several planes flew over within the first eight days, but couldn't see the plane because it was white and just blending in with the snow. Um, Anyway, all that to say, Nobody seems to be, nobody's finding them. Would you uh, go? So would, would you go? Would I go? No. You wouldn't Going go? Going seems bad. But but I understand why it had to happen. And maybe I, it depends, you know? I would support, uh, I would definitely be a, at least a Jackie. You know, like Jackie's really on board for this. And I think that that is yeah. very smart. I Really, it's very hard for me to understand. I mean, Akila makes the point that, like, if you're leaving, you're taking food and supplies with you, and, like, that's not your your decision alone to right. make. And that's, like, a fair point. But, like, they've been in the fucking woods for a long-ass time. I mean, this, if somebody like Thaisa was like, I am doing this, I would be like, take all the snack wells, all of them. 
go find us help like that is a brave long gone i know i was just trying to be funny um (laughs) but like you know i just think that this is a logical conclusion to come to at this point if you have somebody who's brave enough to fucking do it okay now follow-up question if you were van and you were dating taisa and Thaisa was going, would you go with Ty or would you not? Yeah, that's that's really the the factor, right? Uh, it's interesting that Van wouldn't go sleep in the attic, <laughs> but will go out into the, the Well, wilderness. I don't think that Van as as like terrified of Van was as like the of the like the supernatural of it all. I don't think that it was as realistic of a possibility that Thaisa would die by going up into the attic. That like, or like never see, like anything could happen to either one of them. It, you know, once you separate like this, like something could happen to Van back at the camp, something could happen to Thaisa on her journey. Um, so it, it does like the stakes definitely seem higher to me. Do you think it's weird that, um, coach doesn't really seem to be more of a part of, the- of this? decision-making process honestly not really because he's so fucking over it he's smoking a fucking he's smoking a blunt with fucking skeleton buddy in the woods is Uh what he's doing (laughs) he's like man these motherfuckers i don't fucking care what they do (laughs) uh something important Mm -hmm. in this scene is that van is wearing the co-ed naked soccer shirt Mm mm-hmm you know where else we've seen this co-ed naked soccer shirt? <laughs> Underneath, like, the carcass of an animal um, above the sacrificial pit. Is that where it was? Uh, or- yes, above the sacrificial pit, um, maybe with some little legs sticking out with some little pink converse, I think, on their, on their footsies. Van's not going to fucking wear pink converse, so. I don't know. I mean, the showrunners have said, like, the girls uh, share clothes or whatever, and, and also, I'm sure, like, People will die and their belongings will become appropriated by others. And already have. And already right. have, you know, but. Um, but just want to just want to flag mm-hmm. that the shirt has been cited. The Chowderheads Jackie- shirt. <laughs> What's that? The Chowderheads shirt. That's how you got your Fenway yeah. hat that yes, I sent you from exactly. Chowderheads. Uh, yeah. Oh, I keep meaning to come onto one of our tapings wearing my Fenway <laughs> Chowderheads You only have hat. three left. Um. Jackie still going strong with her little ensembles, with her little sweater vest business. I love She's it. She's wearing it like it's like a, I think it's like a pale green sweater vest, and it's definitely with khaki shorts. And I didn't yes. like my first Good. couple watches. Like you know, there's a lot to watch. So I think I was like peripherally aware of this, but like I am so hyper aware of it now that it kills me every time. Just imagining yeah. her getting up in the morning and like laying out her outfit, and everyone wanting to kill her. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So Thaisa wins the the argument um, and she's really so. That, so, OK, so I'm going to I'm not going to say all the actors names. Right. But we haven't really talked about the young actors at all. This is Jasmine Savoy Brown, who is fucking incredible playing Thaisa. She's also in Scream 5. She's fucking great. And she's incredible. Thaisa, the character, but also Jasmine uh, in this in this episode, and I think especially in this scene where she is so resolute, like this is baby politician Thaisa. This is 
arguing with Simone in the future, Thaisa, for better or for worse. And I mean, I think we're all on board uh, here that this was for better until we get to the end of the episode. And then we're like, oh, God, it was for actually worse. Um, But she is so resolute. And they're like, do you know what could happen out there? And she is like, I fucking do. I know that by leaving here, I could easily die. And I am willing to take that risk on behalf of myself and on behalf of everybody else here. I am fucking doing it. It is great. Also, the makeup is great. I mean, you know, it's made to look, of course, like she's not wearing makeup, but like she just, it's fucking nice. It's it's very, very good. And, and I think that Thaisa's, I yes, I know, and I'm doing it with or without you is how she gets um at the very least how she gets um Mari and Misty and Aquila on board. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh and you know, Kristen, you can't go out into the wilderness with all that long hair flapping in the breeze. Yeah. You gotta hack it off with some some dull cabin scissors. Stat. <laughs> Van, that's pretty hot, actually. Uh, does Van go with Thaisa uh, because also she cut her hair and that is hot? Possibly a factor. Could be. Um, I had a lot of emotions in this in this like haircutting scene, not with the haircutting, but with um, Van and Ty, um, because Van, of course, uh, played by Liv Hewson. I'm not sure if that's how you say their name, uh, their last name, but um, also phenomenal. And Van tells this whole story about wanting going to New York. All she wanted was a soft pretzel and a ride through Central Park. But instead, she had to go see cats. Somehow, I feel like this will tie back to Misty uh, <laughs> at some future point. Um, and she wants to go to New York someday, and she wants to buy Thaisa a soft pretzel. And she's going to go. And it's lovely. And it's, I don't know, great representation of queer people on television. And also, they're sweet and also adorable. Also, Guess what I learned about Liv Hewson? What did you learn? Well, Liv Hewson is not from the United States of America. Liz Liz Hewson, I imagine, has an accent. Guess what kind? An Australian accent? That's right. Give me them and Melanie Linsky in conversation with full Aussie accents. Give it to me. Um, and also Sarah Snook. Who's Sarah Snook? Which one's Sarah Snook? Is that Jessica Roberts? Uh, no, that is Shiv on Succession. Oh, I was, I, the name sounded so familiar to me, but I was like, is that in this show? That person in this show? Yes, yes, I'm Kate Blanchett. Is she Australian? <laughs> uh, well, Melanie Linsky is actually from New Zealand, I think. Oh, okay. Close enough. <laughs> I actually careful careful oh yeah Kate Blanchett is Australian I thought she was I don't know what I thought she was look at that (laughs) a unicorn Uh, a magical unicorn I thought she was from Rivendell actually what's originally what's Rivendell is this a joke that I'm not elves live in Lord (laughs) of the Rings there we go Okay, so they're going. This team is Thaisa, Van, Mari, Akila, and at the last minute, Misty. She's staring out the window at Coach Ben, a hot man, 
I don't want to mention Coach Ben ever again without reminding everyone that he's a hot man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, I must, I must do it for my my sweet Ben. Uh, and she goes out to tell him that she's leaving. And she's like, don't try to stop me. And Ben's like, oh, okay, I'll try not to try to stop you. Oh, and he's like, she, that's very brave. I'll, she says, I'll try I'll, to get by without you. Yeah, and she's like, I'll come back for you. It's so funny. And the girls are all like in the background, just like absolutely shoulder shaking, like trying to keep it together, trying to let this moment happen. It is fucking great. Um, I also think, though, there's probably like some importance here because... Misty, young Misty is absolutely obsessed with Ben in a way that is terrifying, but also like like the level of obsession is high, terrifying or not. To Uh make the decision that her team needs her and go on this trip, I do think is a very massive thing that she is choosing to do because she is leaving Ben and she does not know if she will ever come back. I mean, you know, she thinks she will, but it just feels like... I don't know. You know, we have in the present day and we'll get to the present day Misty. We've got Misty doing some shit there. But it just feels like something that I want to hold that like in parallel, we're getting Misty doing this like really fucked up shit in her in her space in the present day. And and also we're seeing that Misty is making some pretty big choices on behalf of her team, whether they're the right things to do for her team or not. I'm not sure if that's like relevant to this particular thread um but like i do think that she's team-minded uh and that that's important yeah it's interesting though like she's the closest thing they have to a doctor and she's definitely putting herself at great risk yeah but with also the people who are going to be at the greatest risk it's like chances are we hope that folks at the camp have their routine they can like you know they kept the gun hopefully they'll be okay whereas these these guys going into the woods have probably a pretty high risk of i mean as we see of really really extreme injury um i think she's she's of more use to them on this on this uh adventure and adventure um and i also <laughs> i also think that's why there's like no hesitation because you know everybody wants to fucking kill misty They're like please stop talking sure. misty so like to know that you're going to be now in a smaller group with misty like i think the reason that there's no hesitation of bringing her is because they do know that like even though they're probably going to want to throw her fucking off the mountain that she's useful and she's helpful in yeah. dire situations um one tiny uh moment in the goodbye that i just want to point out is when taisa and shauna hug each other goodbye i want to cry forever just because i felt yeah. such an emotional resonance with the moment that they shared in the last episode and now seeing them like say goodbye it's just nice and real and best friends best friends Okay, so following this thread, if you if you want to, Jenny, if we're just are we just on the journey with these girls? Let's go. They go into the woods. Um, Thaisa is like, oh, my fucking God. Why do you have a fucking bone around your neck? You fucking ding dong. Like she's so over it. Um, Lottie is clearly the villain. If this is a horror movie, Thaisa says to Van. (laughs) 
Um, Van correctly is like, actually, you'd be the first to die. And Taisa says, because I'm black. And then Van is like, no, because you're the skeptical one. And the skeptical one always dies first. <laughs> There's this incredible, you know, we like in the Buffy verse and when we talk about shows from the 90s, we like uh, are seeing how things are produced and made in the 90s. The moment that is shared between Thaisa and Van, where Van's like, wait, like a like a beat passes. We go back to the woods and Van's like, but wait, why does the black character always die first? Uh-huh. The fact that Thaisa's reaction is this like absolutely incredible eye roll just really struck me because it was so incredible, so powerful. And it's something where I think that like if the show is being made in the 90s, A, this would have been done in a like a more if it was done at all, it would have been done like in a more crass way. And B, like, you know, the the majority white folks, I'm sure, in the room would have been like, I'm not sure if an eye roll is enough to really drive this home. Like maybe we should add a line here or something. And I just thought it was right. very, very, very cool that this moment was allowed to exist from the vantage point of Taisa being like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, it's very uh crisp. Yeah. And like to the point. Yes. Enter, cut to Jenny Owen Young's <laughs> starring in the role of Van mm-hmm. in a little scene where she's telling the spooky campfire story of while you were sleeping as wolves howl in the distance. <laughs> you probably weren't wondering what's it like to be at a campfire with Jenny, uh, but... If you if you were if you're one of the lucky few, uh, this is your answer. <laughs> this is what it's like. Literally, uh, what it is like. A a finely detailed retelling of something you may or may not have seen. Yes, the last time I remember being at a campfire with Jenny, she was telling what started as a group of two, and I think wound up being like a group of twenty folks about the plot of game of thrones in yeah, detail well, you know it was still like mid-series mm-hmm. uh it had not become the sort of like global like mm-hmm. it had not peaked yet in terms of viewership mm-hmm. joanna robinson i think is the person who said that like maybe game of thrones would be the last show we all watch together as a mm. society you know, and I think like that did happen. But at the point that this campfire took place, people, uh, regular people had yet to start saying things like R plus L equals J. Uh, you know, I don't even know what that means. Uh, it means Rhaegar Targaryen plus uh, Lyanna. Uh, Wife of Robert equals Jon Snow. Wow. Wow. Um, anyway, Van and Sorry. Jenny. No, it's, it's great. Um, and Van is, you know, I mean, clearly this is a scene that if you are television smart, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> because we are we are being told to fall in love with Van as much as possible in this scene. Always a bad sign when you're in a show like Yellow Jackets. <laughs> so it's true. The wolves are howling and Van who already has me just I mean 
you know, this energy, especially like because Van's energy is I'm sure always like this, right? We saw Van singing Shoop in the fucking locker room. She's a person who loves to bring positive fucking vibes into a space, but especially in this situation where she knows she's dealing with folks who are scared and she herself, I'm certain, is also scared. She's working like triple time to try to like ease everyone's fears and we hear the wolves howl and she's like you know we don't have to worry but you do you know who does need to worry <laughs> our girl sandy and she goes back into the while you were sleeping story oh it's so delightful it's so it's good, good. <laughs> oh no good. a blood river blood river <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is, uh, I, you, you simply hate to see it, Kristen. You do. Uh, just as it was foretold in prophecy, uh, here is a river kind of the color of blood and or rust. Uh, some, some possibilities are bandied about. Maybe it's mineral deposits. They can change the color of water. But then, oh my gosh, oh no, then the compass isn't working. Well, what if the mineral deposits are like, iron or something that would mess with the magnets in the compass and everyone's like maybe we should go back remember how lottie said the woods didn't want the skeleton buddy to leave <laughs> and ty's like i'm losing daylight yeah taisa is like taisa is when taisa's on a path there is literally nothing that will stop taisa nothing yeah nothing Literally, like, the girl from The Exorcist could have come up out of that river. Her head could have spun around. She could have vomited on Thaisa, and Thaisa would have been like, I will change my clothes. I am continuing forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, then, well, maybe we can save the, the ending of this for the ending of the pod, unless you want to talk about it now, because we all know what happens next. Let's just let's just finish. Let's okay. see them through to their conclusion. Me trying to turn off the movie before anything happens to Van. <laughs> Sorry, can't do it, Kristen. Uh, Ty is gonna take first watch since everyone's mad at her. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh oh, she wakes up so high up in a tree, holding Van's bone necklace and the flare gun. And she can hear the sounds of everyone else being attacked by wolves. So she comes down the tree and, oh, no, Van is getting the worst of it. Thaisa fires the flare gun towards them, but kind of uh, airs towards the side, which, uh, A, it's like, who's ever shot a flare gun before? B, that flare gun came from the friggin' ancient plane. And C, yeah. you want to just not hit Van while right. you're doing that. And what should come out from... The friggin' flare gun being fired, but red smoke! Oh, no! Uh, uh, then, since the flare didn't really seem to deter the wolf at all, Taisa grabs the axe and runs over and axes the wolf while I put my hands over Frank's little ears. Yeah! So that he doesn't have to hear uh, the sad sounds of the wolf getting axed. Yeah, this is a terrifying scene. Um, it's shot beautifully for terror, and it is, I think, very effective. The reveal of Van's face is 
the most upsetting thing in the series so far for me, except for Coach Ben's leg, the liquid mm-hmm. leg. Nothing will surpass that. Did um, you say squid leg? I said the, <laughs> I said the liquid leg, but we can call it squid oh. leg from now on. Okay. Um, but this is horrible on every level. We love Van. Thaisa loves Van very deeply and Thaisa is the reason Van is there. Thaisa is the reason they're all there and also Thaisa was up in a tree. Um so this is horrible. Also, okay. How'd she get up in that tree? Why'd she have the bone necklace? Is the fact that she had the bone necklace the thing that made her safe while everybody else got attacked by wolves? Yeah. Oh, Lord. So many questions. I mean, she was like high up in that fucking tree. Oh, my God. And like, why? The dirt is at the bottom of the tree, Thaisa. Why are you up so high? You know? How? Yeah, right. (laughs) And also, how dare this fucking show kill Van? How dare they? How how fucking dare they? Uh, how makes me fucking so upset. The when I watched this in real time, I think I yelled for like twenty four hours about this. Like I could not process it, handle it. No, I so I was so upset. I'm still upset, but like I was. Whew. Anyway. Back in Boner Town. (laughs) Yes. Well, Travis, he loses his boner. Oh, no. Travis Uh, and Nat. What does my note say? Hang on. My note says Travis loses his concentration. (laughs) Very, very diplomatic. Very family-friendly language. He he is nervous and overwhelmed. Uh, so, I mean, how we get here. Traumatized. Is tra- Travis is going to go with the group into the woods. And Nat, in a moment that is adorable and makes my heart snap into 40 pieces, is like, I don't want you to go. I think that I might. And she can't, like, get past that. And she's like, I just want you to stay. And he does not hesitate. He's like, okay. Then I'll stay. Yeah. They're so cute. Yeah. But then they try to do it. Everybody's away out of the cabin. And Nat says, I want you so bad in like a sexy way. But Travis is thrown by this um, because it doesn't sound like Nat to him. He's also overwhelmed. I mean, he's just never he's never been in a position like this one before. And he loses his concentration. And then he gets very mm-hmm. upset. Nat is so good about this. Um, I myself never had an experience where a um, boy might have lost his his boner um, in high school. Not because all of the boys I made out with always kept their boners, just because I was not hooking up with boys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was that was not a brag. Um, but I I just can't imagine being as like mature and good as Nat is in this moment. Like it felt very like this is how you are at like age twenty five when you can like you really be there for somebody and be like it's okay right and, like whatever you know. Um, but regardless, I think it's very nice. But Travis gets too upset and he leaves. Teen things that happen. It's okay. 
Yeah, it only happens to teens, I think. Once you're not a teen anymore, it definitely doesn't happen. (laughs) Okay, so the last person in 1996 we really need to check in with is Shauna. Shauna has two main interactions. One is with Javi, who she finds like going through her bag because he's looking for the hunting knife uh, that... Shauna's always using to slit animals. <laughs> Shauna loves uh, slitting flesh with her with her knife. Because he wants to do a little art project, and Shauna is his art buddy. My first question, Kristen, is why is the hunting knife that is regularly being used to slit animal throats being stored mm-hmm. in Shauna's Jansport instead of just like in the general? Yeah. Knives area. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, maybe just because Shauna is now the resident butcher. It seems like she is. It seems like she. Sure, but she's not like going on call to butcher things. She's only doing it at the campsite. She probably doesn't fucking trust anybody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I would also keep that knife as close to me as possible, especially with fucking misty poisoning people all around all about. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, this situation makes her very stressed out about the security of her gurnal. And so... No. No. What, her gurnal? Nope. Mm-mm. Rejected. Her- denied. 50% her- of this podcast denies. <laughs> gurnal. <laughs> Sounds like girdle. Uh, so she she hides her journal up in the rafters. <laughs> Where it will never be found by anyone. The most commonly, yeah, the most common hiding place of all. And then later, Javi uh, leaves a whittled wolf. The only thing that I'm unable to suspend my disbelief for as much as I can't for the the, uh, coach just like healing really nicely without IV Mm -hmm. antibiotics is Javi learns to whittle in like a day and makes a beautiful little wolf. I don't think, listen, if I'm being real, I don't think Javi whittled that fucking wolf. Like, I don't think, think Skeleton Buddy whittled it. I think Skeleton Buddy did it. And that's think, why the wolves attacked the campfire. Yeah. Like, it just feels like, first of all, I find it hard to believe that Javi would have even been going into Shauna's bag without permission if he just needed the knife for an art project they seem to have a whole thing going on right like they're they're I, like i just feel and javi has been so kind and nice and but polite. he was trying to surprise her with a little prezi okay it just feels like because it's it's one of the last things that we fucking see and it's a fucking tiny i don't i don't know i don't know if we learn that javi has whittled this wolf i will also stand with you in disbelief that javi could have learned how to whittle a wolf and you know two to 12 weeks but all right but i just i don't know i saw some wood shavings around skeleton buddy's chair (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh. all right all right all right so the other main thing shauna has going on in this episode is talking to jackie yeah jackie has a great episode small jackie Jackie has a great episode. episode she's like it's obvious you're hiding something from me and it's making me feel crazy. Mm-hmm. Shauna tries to like blow past her and go up to the attic and Jackie turns around in an attempt to p- 
put up the ladder to prevent Shauna from going up, and she can't even do that with her with her uh, <laughs> fragile little wrists and her delicate <laughs> little arms. Uh, um, if only she'd given the ladder a motivational speech, uh, maybe <laughs> it, it just would like go up. up by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this scene is written really well. It really resonated with me. It felt like two best friends truly having it out um, because she called Jackie immediately calls back to the only other time that Shauna lied to her, which was when her parents, Shauna's parents were getting divorced and she didn't want Jackie to know. So when Jackie asked where her dad was, she said he was away because he had left his job and become the president of Hello Kitty. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. The writing, outstanding. Yes, yes, yes. So... Jackie's had enough of the whispering with Thaisa. Jackie's had enough of feeling like Shauna doesn't want to be her best friend anymore. She says, and I quote, spill. Spill. Oh, that's fine. I didn't even fucking make that connection. You said it like that because Thaisa's spill, right? No, that's just how I say spill, Kristen. <laughs> go. Yeah, I said it because Ta- Thaisa's little actu- wall art. Sit. And spin, Jennifer. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. I said that knowing it was a podcast, so literally did not even hold up my middle fingers, but you all imagined it, right? <laughs> um, Jenny just spun around in her desk chair. Um, <laughs> yeah, spill. Fuck. I didn't even make that connection at all. You made it for me. Thank you. Um, Teamwork. Dream work. So Shauna tells her, Jackie handles this so well. It's like devastating because then when she finds out the actual truth, it's like, man, she like really handled not knowing this information so well. And then I've seen a lot of people talk about like Jackie's initial reaction of like, you lost your virginity and you didn't tell me. I was like, Jackie making it about her, but like. They're best friends and they tell each other everything. This is like not, this doesn't feel in the least like a selfish reaction. It just feels like somebody who, who is, is seeing like it's coming into focus for her that like the nature of her best friendship might not be exactly what she thought it was. And that's unsettling and, and disorienting. I agree 100%. I th- I'm surprised to hear that that is an interpretation because I think Jackie... People what I'm really- hate Jackie. People love to hate Jackie. But They're you like, know what? I like I- the girl who uh, does all the murder and I like the girl who's really mean to sweet Kevin Tan and I like the girl who's eating dirt. Uh, but I hate the girl well, but, who is okay, uh, sad okay. about feeling distant from her best friend. But to but counterpoint, I think that probably a lot of those people have watched it one time through because yeah. definitely Jackie is painted as the self-centered bitchy one. And you kind of right. just like hook onto that and then ride it through the series. But I think that yeah. if you watch this like we have a couple of times, it becomes really clear that Jackie is like painted very much like just the selfish one. But once we're one into of these the, episodes, one of the six great... and... oh, sorry. No, go ahead. One of the great misunderstood characters of modern television, not unlike my friend and yours, Riley Finn. Oh, I, God damn it. I was like, yes, Cordelia, (laughs) exactly. And you said Riley fucking Finn. 
Get ah. out of here. And they interrupted me to, t- to talk about Riley. Incredible. That's right. But yeah, I think that Jackie has a lot of layers. And I think that uh, you really start to see them the last episode and this episode. I do not find this to be a self-centered response at all. As a matter of fact, it takes her like one fucking beat and they're in the woods and she's like, don't worry. We are going to get through this together. Remember when she gave Shauna her jerky? <laughs> I do. I do. Also... <laughs> Of all people, I guess it makes sense or it makes sense to Shauna, but like of all the people she could say it was, it's Randy Walsh. And what Jackie does with her hands when she says, I can just picture his little butt is my, it's my whole, it makes the world go round. It is so, it is so, it's really, I think, one of my favorite Jackie lines of the whole series, uh, of the whole season. Then Jackie says, I told you to stop drinking Malibu and milk. Milk? Mostly because it's disgusting, not because I thought it would lead to you and Randy Walsh's love child. Kristen, have you ever tasted Malibu and milk? Rum and milk? Is that like a white Russian kind of? No, it's not. I can tell you what a white Russian is, Jenny, because I drank them for years. A white Russian is... Oh God, I'm betraying my anti-milk self. I know, but this was the early 2000s. Um, a white Russian is vodka, Kahlua, and milk. It's delicious. Oh. It tastes like a fucking chocolate milk. It's so good. Malibu and okay. milk sounds like dying. I did not hear milk. I didn't know that this was the drink until right now. You're hearing my reaction live in pod. Yeah, it just sounds... Listen, when you're young... Oh, okay, so wait... Were white Russians your like drink of choice for your like, for what age span? Well, it, it, so white, so, okay. When I was going out, if I was out, out at the bars and stuff, my choice of, my choice, my drink of choice was either vodka tonics or, um, <laughs> vodka Red Bulls. Cause I'm really cool boy um but but when i was um taking the amtrak train back and forth to boston all the time and or hanging out with my then girlfriend jen who also lived in boston our drink were white white russians so like that was more like if we were just going out the two of us and like going up to the bar at a restaurant and getting a drink you know because you can't really i mean you can i guess order a white russian like out at a club but that i mean i feel like the the bar the bartender a would probably kick you out and b Uh also like dancing and being sweaty while also drinking milk seems like a bad combo yeah yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, so what, what were your, what were your drinks of choice in the early aughts? Uh, ugh, a vodka soda, a screwdriver or, and here's the real horror show, Kristen, uh, Southern Comfort, (laughs) neat, neat Southern Comfort. No, (laughs) no one in the history of drinking has ever how dare you neat i learned it from my friend and yours dan romer what's Uh, amazing though is that because you were so young it's like when you hear somebody say neat you imagine like a a rocks glass with like a one to two finger pour but the actual reality of this i'm sure is that you had a plastic cup that just had fucking southern comfort poured into it yeah disgusting Disgust. Southern Comfort killed me. Southern Comfort and Jägermeister were two beverages that if I had even one fucking sip of them, I was so, so drunk and so, so ill. Um, they really Yeah, were I try bad. not to even look at Southern Comfort these Oof. days. Oof. 
Anyway. Sorry to sorry to scandalize you, Kristen. Wow. I don't even know how I never learned. I'm, I must have. If I learned that, I put it far away in my yeah, recesses of my brain. because where it belongs. I, oof. Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, anyway, yeah, so in this little conversation, um, <laughs> it's now Randy's love child, and there's a little bit of a discrepancy in the details here, but Jackie lets it slide. She's like, but I thought I came back and got Randy. Shauna not doing great at lying at this point in her life, um, but we think it's fine until... Un- Till oh no, we see after we see the whittled wolf, and Shauna sees it. She gets into bed, and then we pan up to the rafters, and uh oh, the journal's missing. Jackie is reading it by a fire. Did Jackie build a journal reading fire? 
Yes, I'm saying yes. I love this reality. She couldn't build a fire until she had gossip. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. Was like, she was like, at last I have what I need to burn. <laughs> she just looked at the logs and they went up in flames. Ugh, she's reading <sighs> and crying. And Jackie, I feel for you. Yeah, this, this is, is awful. The worst. It really is. I mean, you know, I don't know that Shauna had much choice herself, except for to. Uh, I, I definitely am not of a mind that like Shauna should have told her the truth. I mean, and anywhere maybe, but certainly not like fucking on an island in the middle of the Canadian wilderness. <laughs> so this is really upsetting. I'm upset. I'm upset for Jackie. I'm upset for Shauna. It's just really bad news. Thaisa isn't even here. I feel like Thaisa somehow would be helpful in this scenario. Yeah, and... but nope. Oh, God. Well, I suppose we should uh, scuttle on over to the year 2021, where Thaisa is doing a horrible job of washing her hands, may I say. It's like it's it's as though her goal is not to wash her hands, but to like do some like dirt, like mud art or something. Yes. Also, she is like hydrogen peroxiding and wrapping the really gnarly looking bite on her hand while she still has like her D- teeth are caked yeah. with dirt. Girl, yeah, swish yeah. and rinse. Swish and order and of events need to be established clearly. I will give her some room because it's the first time, I guess, that like I get. So if she's never realized she's done this before, and we don't know that actually, we've just kind of assumed that and like read the context clues to 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 pull that in. But if that's the truth, then do we imagine that she has cleaned herself up in the same state and then put herself back to bed again? So she, if that's true, then she's never done this before. Um, like coherently, clearly uh, present, but still when she, I'm a very tactile person, when she puts the soap on the dirt and then <laughs> and then rubs the dirt and the soap, I want to die. Like I want to actually die. I a can- nice exfoliating scrub, so Kristen. Upset. For after your dirt meal. I'm so upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, we've got a couple of big things here in 2021. One being the heist. It's not a heist, but like it's a heist. The and the, uh, the other being Misty's basement. So I'll let you pick, Jenny, where you want to where you want to start. Let's go to Lady Squad. This is amazing. Three ladies, Hi. one minivan. I am so thrilled. This is the shit. Actually, no, it's not one minivan. It's two. <laughs> well, it's one minivan and then like a Range Rover. Okay, 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 okay. That is the, is the Range Rover Thaisa's car that Nat can't start because I Exactly, died. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you have to have a, a annual income of over... Something in the six digits to know how to start a range to start rover. A- That's what I'm getting <laughs> from this. You actually, your bank account has to be past a certain mark for you to even start. Yeah, you have card. to like put your debit card into the dashboard <laughs> and it like checks Do rich your balance. people have debit cards? Do you think? I don't know why, but when you said that, I was like, that doesn't even seem like a thing a rich person would have. Well, I know what you mean, like instinctively, but also 
What, debit card cash. Debit card seems like a, like for the fucking poor man's card. You know what I mean? This is like uh, this is the money I, I have and the money I'll spend. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, regardless. Regardless. If you're a rich person, let us know. Do you have a debit card? Yeah. <laughs> yeah we want to hear your story. Call one eight hundred. I swipe. Um. Listen, if you, I know it's practical if you're going to take $50,000 out of the bank, you know, to get it in hundreds, but this, like, nobody's wrong in this scenario. This is some disappointing looking money for the amount that it is. Melanie Linsky, I just, I love her so much. She's got to be in my, like, top three favorite actors of all time. She is so good. The way she is in this entire situation from top to bottom is delightful. Beginning here with this. (laughs) It's just a little disappointing by heist movie standards. Uh, So funny. And she's like, I got this GPS tracker. It's (laughs) one of Amazon's number one sellers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh. So uh, she then like oh there nobody thought about well I guess they thought about the GPS tracker being obscured by bazillions of bills but uh oh there's only you know a small stack <laughs> they imagine so they like imagine like trash. Breaking Bad storage space you know like that's the money I want to see yeah exactly exactly but so so Shauna's big idea is to just stuff the bag full of like towels from the uh room service uh cart and garbage (laughs) they're jamming all of this into a like canvas tote bag with like little hand prints and stuff on it and natalie is like where did you get that etsy reject of a bag i'm not convinced that nat knows what etsy is (laughs) or children or children sure uh but uh, Shauna says that uh, Callie made this bag for Jeff for Father's Day one year, quote, back when she was cute. Incredible. <laughs> Do you know how many parents probably feel so good to finally see honest representation of what it is like if you want, if you just can't stand your child? You know, like clearly Shauna loves Callie deeply. Callie loves Shauna deeply, but also they can't stand each other. And like, yeah. I don't know. I am hard pressed to think of a time when we have seen such incredible representation of hating your child. And I I am here for you, parents of the world, feeling joyous Mm. that finally your story is being told. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. So Nat is like, I got the money, so I'm making the drop. I don't understand really why she wants to be the one to make the drop, but okay. Because she can't wait to meet Fuckface, Kristen. Oh, right. She wants to meet Fuckface. That's right. Um, Shauna and Ty get into the uh, the minivan to follow Nat. And off they go. They put it in a clothing. How does this person, whoever this person is, get into the the donation bin? How do you get into it? Don't you need like a key to get in that shit? Yeah. Yeah. This is, I panicked when they put it in there. I was like, you'll never get that back. <laughs> But, like, uh, the guy's driving a truck. Isn't he, like, with Goodwill or whatever oh, this is? Oh, it is a big truck, so maybe it is, like, you know, the truck that picks up Yeah, that's, up that's the... how I read it, that he was, like, 
doing some kind of, you know, transfer. And that's when the ski masked person got involved. But okay, so while Shauna and Ty are in the minivan alone, they have a little convo. Let's talk about it uh mm-hmm. you know ty is like oh the pay cut i took for to run for senate isn't gonna cover another stint for nat in rehab and shauna's like you're just enabling her to repeat the same pattern and ty is like well i have my family you have your family and natalie has nobody and we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her mm. what is that what mean? does that mean? That's a I big can't sentence. Find out. Me either. Uh, then Natalie comes back having bought liquor off a gas station clerk in New Jersey. If you want to buy liquor, you have to go to a liquor store. You can't just go into a gas station or grocery store. In New York, too. So, understandably, Shauna and Ty are like, where did you get how did you buy that at a liquor store? She's like, oh, I bought it off the clerk. It's like two thirds of the way full. Yeah. Uh, this liquor has been sampled. Delightful. One of my favorite things about this moment when Nat comes back to the car is that I I know that this is not just a New Jersey, New York thing. I've seen this kind of relationship uh in Boston, in, in deep Boston, I've seen it, uh, you know, like in various like manifestations, but I know it as New York, New Jersey, that Ty was in this car spending all of her time talking about how they had to take care of Nat, that she cared about Nat, that Shauna should really think about Nat. Nat gets in the car and the first thing Ty says is, what the fuck took you so long? <laughs> so much this is how we love okay this is how it works here we are mean and that means we love you so much (laughs) yep 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 okay so great news Mm -hmm. uh the blackmailers taking their time so the girls the gals they have some, some time to kill with with small talk with making quick work of this liquor uh shauna asks ty how are the wife and kid and campaign and also what happened to your hand fine fine nothing fine yep yep and then nat is like i'm fucking kevin tan (laughs) (laughs) and then kristen did this strike you as clangy as it struck me she says he's a cop now and he has two kids and shauna's like that sounds complicated Oh, that sounds complicated. Two kids? Yeah, true. I did not. Um, uh, I think I was way too focused on her then saying it's actually kind of nice and it erased all previous memories. I know. Oh, but yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a little clangy. I agree. Um, Shauna, Nat telling Shauna to slow down drinking the whiskey, also priceless moment. Well, I think Nat's... Uh threshold is in a very different place than shauna so i think it's fair i think if anybody can tell everybody else to slow down it's probably nat Mm -hmm. uh shauna's too drunk to drive when the gps starts moving so they have to do a little uh switcheroonie melanie linsky again this line delivery i shouldn't drive because if we die we won't find out who's doing this (laughs) her only concern that is her only concern (laughs) 
Uh, okay, okay, it's a go. I have titled this section It's a Go because Thaisa saying it's a go, let's go makes me laugh until I fall off of my couch. It's so fucking yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. My first note in this in this scene is these adult ass women, L O L O L O L O L. Oh my god. Oh no. Natalie just like rolls up on this truck driver. She has Kevin tans gun the guys like take the truck please but then they see a man in a ski mask with the bag and he is hauling ass and you know he's gonna fucking continue to haul ass because the prodigy kicks in with fire starter <laughs> it's on he is then- tossing over entire clothing racks he's yeah. doing a great job whoever this guy is they're running through the Goodwill, and Kristen, did you catch this? Oh. Thaisa and Nat go in, and Thaisa says, take the wing. I'll mark him like at States. Ladies, are you calling a soccer play from 25 years ago? They are, and I love it. <gasps> wow. And Thaisa tackles this man, but he elbows her in the nose and breaks free until, uh-oh, he crashes into the huge open barrel of glitter that you can find at <laughs> any, any Goodwill store. <laughs> Please uh, peruse our open trough of glitter, <laughs> a substance we love to keep in an open container where anyone can just run and rummage their hands through. You it. actually just pay a dollar and you can take as much as you can carry. That's how it works. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, could this be Chekhov's glitter? Can't wait to I find mean, out. Can't wait to find out either. Does give us a delightful line in this episode where they're like, they lose him. And they're like, well, he he fucking dumped the tracker. Now how the fuck are we going to find him? And I don't remember who says it. Thaisa? We look for an asshole covered in glitter. Incredible. Nice. Oh, also, also, Nat makes it out of the Goodwill just in time to see Ski Mask Man driving away. Right. And she tries to shoot him. Right. She, she tries to shoot him and Thaisa shoves her arm. Um, also, how did this man have the time to separate the trash and the towels and the GPS tracker from the money in the split second that he was, like, ahead of them to get Especially, into his car. Especially, you're right, because it it is, like, you'd think that if that had happened, he would have taken the stack of clear money out of the bag and just dropped the whole bag. Right? But instead, but instead it's, like, he a was pile like, of, like, one, one <laughs> towel, one crumpled piece of newspaper, <laughs> one discarded water cup. <laughs> yeah, good point. I didn't think about that. Um... Regardless, yeah, so they don't shoot the guy. He gets away. Um, then and- we get this next bit of yeah, curious dialogue. Nat's like, I wasn't going to kill him. And Shauna's like, uh, <laughs> okay. What did she say? And she said something like, like, were you going to shoot through the back window to hit him in the knee, like through the car? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Nat says, it's not like we haven't all done a lot worse and then shauna responds Mm -hmm. by saying speak for yourself don't drag us into your endless pit of guilt what did they do why did they do it and 
does Shauna not feel bad about it? Or did Nat do something worse than everybody else? Right. Well, it's like, especially because we just got the, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Nat. And then right after that, we get this, it isn't like we haven't done a lot worse. Speak for yourself. Don't drag us into your pit of guilt. Like, are these things connected? It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, Then they're like, well, at least we know it's a man. And Shauna's like, no, he could be working with someone, including that, like, annoying reporter and the face that Melanie Linsky makes when she says this. <laughs> Line is so good. It's it's very good. She's unbelievable. I truly think she's a legend, uh, a, le- a legend of our time because uh, yeah. she's just she's just fucking incredible. Nat is. Um, getting increasingly upset and she says to pull over the fucking car um and she says this isn't for us this is for travis she's crying you guys are as fucked up as i am you're just better at hiding it pretty solid pretty solid now agree concur as a matter of fact taisa is eating dirt and fucking shauna is serving her family rabbit stew (laughs) Yeah. So, no, yeah. there's anything wrong with rabbits, too. It's just it was made in a particular way. Okay? Yeah, yeah. There was intent. <laughs> um, This is a great scene. This is a great... And this is, like, really... Speaking of, like, the, the theme of this episode, the focus of this episode being, like, group projects, this is really the first we get, like, the chewy center of the relationships between these three. Yeah. In, in present, in present day. <laughs> but where's our fourth? Where is the fourth member of the adult squad? Uh the fourth the fourth member of adult squad is being a surveilling creep. We first see her watching Kevin Tan sleep post coitus. Definitely like we're seeing some leg, which we know Misty's into. Yeah, yep, yep. And in the background, uh, Jessica Roberts is screaming from the basement. So to mute the sound of Jessica screaming, uh, Misty is now playing a song from Phantom of the Opera, um, Music of the Night. I believe we got the overture last episode. So Misty going hard in Phantom. And I did a little, I mean... uh, I'm just not like overly familiar with fan, you know, like I know it, but like I, I, I needed to really just like go back to it to remember all the particulars. And like the the idea that like Phantom of the Opera is a story um, that is about somebody who is like a rejected member of society who like kidnaps people and forces them to love him seems like a very, very deliberate choice with our Misty. Um, yeah. And her choices. So I just think it's great. Uh, thank you. Thank you. And also, if you're a musical expert and I have inaccurately described Phantom, please write in because I just did the Cliff's notes and I don't mean to, you know, be too broad in my strokes. That is what she said. Wow. Uh... <laughs> the next stroke that we get. <laughs> is a cut from Van describing the plot of While You Were Sleeping to mm. her rapt teammates around the campfire to 
Misty watching an old VHS copy of While You Were Sleeping on a TV that's down in her murder basement. <laughs> How about that? Do you, you know, Now, in the retelling, like in the scene where Van is telling the story, Misty is like really engrossed. And yeah. I wonder if her watching this movie is like connected to, you yeah. know, if she connects it to the people that she was in the woods with. A She's thousand like, oh, percent. this is nostalgic for me. A thousand percent. I think most of what Misty does, it revolves entirely around the relationships that she formed both in reality and in her mind during the time in the woods. A thousand percent. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. The exchange that this is the most Jessica Roberts we've gotten. And I will tell you what, I love her. Uh, Yeah, she's she's great. She's fantastic. And the the like banter between Misty and Jessica Roberts is so fucking good. It is so fucking incredible to watch. First, Misty says, I want you to tell me the truth. And Jessica says, your haircut is unflattering. <laughs> They're building their chemistry. It's beautiful. Uh, then, you know, Misty says, I have you here because I'm protecting my friends. I think you've been blackmailing them. And I think you murdered Travis. And Jessica's playing it very cool. And Misty says, like, you're remarkably calm. And then Jessica says, this is not the first time I've been held hostage. And Misty says, cool. In (laughs) such a specific way. (laughs) That is so good. (sighs) Oh, It's not the first time I've been held hostage. Cool. God. It's It's so good. They're so... Good. Christina Ricci and Reka Sharma uh, were not a thousand percent that we are pronouncing uh, her name correctly, and we will do more investigation into this. But um, these two performances are fantastic. It's just like, you know, a lot of what you watch in television and movies is really, you know, if it's interesting to you or intriguing to you, it usually involves a good performance and really good writing and what have you. And it's like very rare when I see something and I'm like, this is like, I feel like there are not many times when I've seen this kind of like dynamic between two characters that has been so well done. Um When Misty says to Jessica, what happened to the last person who held you hostage? And then Jessica says they lived happily ever after. And then they have this laugh that they do. Because we know Misty's laugh, right? But Jessica matches it. And they're just laughing in each other's faces. And I am on my floor. I am I am deceased. I have died because this is absolutely incredible. And then Misty ends this by slapping Jessica Roberts clean across the fucking face. I mean <laughs> Uh, it's really something. It really is. Uh, Jenny, do you want to talk about the leverage of it all? Right. Uh, Jessica tells Misty that uh, they're on the same side. She thinks Travis was murdered. Let me go and I'll tell you everything I know. <laughs> we should be partners in solving this and so on. Uh, but she won't, you know, tell her everything unless she lets her go. 
Uh, right? And she's like, that's what we call leverage. And Misty says, you only have leverage if I am not willing to make you talk. So in this case, you have no leverage at all. Jessica, get the fuck out of there. Somebody help Jessica. Yeah. Misty is scary. Yeah. Misty is um, actually, you know, I think you kind of assume that she's going to like physically harm Jessica, your classic torture um, here. But Misty, no, no. Misty Mm -hmm. is filling chocolates with fentanyl. Um, you know what I love about fentanyl? Jesus Christ, Misty Quigley. It's legal, but deadly. And when someone dies of it, they just assume it was an overdose. Oh, my God. Misty's sending chocolates to Jessica's dad that are full of fentanyl. Um, that is yeah, what she's, she's going to do. she's got his name. She's got his address. She's got the name of his nurse. She had a long chat with his nurse to make sure that he gets his chocolates fucked up and also effective you know i mean say what you will but she sure does get this information that jessica has to share yeah jessica says she went to travis's house before nat and misty did uh but she couldn't get him to freaking give her any intel yeah uh and also she gives Misty the key info that Travis's bank account was emptied after he died. So whoever has that money probably killed him. Hello. Mm. Mm. Isn't that interesting? I really love the like connective tissue between um, the scene where Misty and um, Nat were in Travis's apartment. And I think it was um, Nat who was like commenting on how expensive the whiskey was that was there and so like learning now that jessica had brought a bottle of whiskey over to like talk to travis it's just nice it's just you know it's all coming together kids Mm -hmm. so yeah that's important info um smaller well i guess adam and shauna aren't smaller but i was gonna go to kevin and nat which is like a smaller time you know smaller amount of time in the episode but pretty devastating yeah. Ke- uh, Kevin, you know, wakes up. Nat has sort of like slipped back into bed and put the gun back, but she fired a round and he's a fucking cop. So he has to document every round in the gun. And Nat gets defensive and upset. And this manifests by her saying, We were just fucking. Your high school crush on me was really cute, but now it's just pathetic. Oh, Natalie, no. <laughs> Why? I hate, I hate this shit. I hate when in television, I mean, not like that it's a bad choice, but just like I, my emotions can't handle it very well when somebody is you saying something it. they do not mean to make somebody go away and it is hurtful and harmful. Kevin, to his credit, does give a nice juicy fuck you to Nat as he walks out. <laughs> yeah. But this, this sucks, especially because they gave us her in the minivan saying... Being like, it's kind of nice. It's really nice. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, dear. Well, I think the only thing left to talk about in this timeline is Adam being a fucking dingbat. And then Shauna also being a dingbat. Where it's four in the morning and you come home from your your blackmail drop to discover that neither your husband nor your daughter is home, but your secret lover is parked outside. Just leaning casually on his car. 
Adam, yeah, what a- in the actual fuck? Terrible vibe, sir. I just like, I don't know. I mean, I I know that I guess, I guess I can get there to where Shauna decides to fuck Adam after this, but it's a real hard sell for me because I am so upset with Adam. And um, she's like, I mean, you know, she's outraged, uh, rightfully so, when she gets there. Are you serious? What if my husband was home? What if my fucking kid was home? Um, And like, also... Remember when you were like this chill fucking dude who was like, go, we'll just go with the flow. And now he's like, I think maybe we could be something. We've seen that he's been like texting her a lot. Like it's too much. It's too much. Kristen Russo in this situation would never speak to you again. I would run so Uh far and so fast. This is my absolute kryptonite to stop it. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just. It's just real dumb. It's just upsetting. And then, I mean, I guess the re- the only the only like hook I can grab onto here is that he says, um, "You feel exactly what I feel. Every single cell in your body wants to blow things up and see what happens. That is who you are." Um, but you know, I guess I can understand, you know, this actually, now that I'm saying it out loud, it's like when we started this series, we have this scene of like Shauna in like her daughter's bedroom masturbating. And like, we've talked about it as like a hearkening back to this, like, teenage time um and that like she had all this fucking trauma afterwards and like how do you get to that place like what you know how do you get back to a place where you can even be turned on when everything in your life has been terrifying and awful since the last fun you had and so i i think the only thing i can hook this to of how they went because they don't just wind up fucking they wind up fucking in as I refer to in my notes, their marital bed in the marital bed of Jeff and Shauna, which is like a particular choice. Um, And I feel like the only way I can get there with like understanding this is to connect it to that, that like Shauna's truest, like Shauna's truest moment of being like aroused and turned on was rooted in being a teenager and in deceit. Like those were the places that she was before everything happened. So maybe, but I'm upset. Yeah, this just seems, just seems like a terrible idea. Terrible idea. The only good thing that comes of this, Jenny, is the line that Adam has went. So Jeff comes home in the morning. They've fallen asleep. Sean is like, oh you have to hide in the closet. <laughs> Jeff comes in the room. Where's Jeff been? Fucking what's Jeff up to? You know what I mean? What's this man? He's it's the morning. It is full Inventory morning. Inventory database management. <laughs> again. Good excuse he has of like, well, there was an early delivery. So I figured I'd just stay till the delivery. Okay, Jeff. So, Adam is in the closet until Jeff takes off his watch and shit and they have a chat and then he goes into the fucking bathroom to take a shower and Shauna goes to get Adam to get him out of the house and Adam says, I've never been, I've never been in a French farce before. It's It's so funny. It's so funny. (laughs) So we get that, you know, everything else is a nightmare, but we do get that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Is that? All that's fair game for 
I think I think it is. I mean, no, like, yes, but also never. We would be I mean, I don't I don't think we'll ever be able to talk about all the things that happens in these episodes. But I think we hit as many of the big things as we needed to, except, of course, for you asking me the most important question of the podcast. I actually have two questions for you. Oh, OK. This episode, first of all. In its debut appearance. <laughs> What's the most New Jersey thing, Kristen? Ooh, okay. You think I'm Is qualified? It... Well, I hope so. I hope okay. you are. In this in this game, I will answer as my guest, and Jenny will be the voice of authority. Okay. So what's the most New Jersey thing? Is it not being able to buy liquor anywhere but a liquor store? Mm-hmm. Or is it Kevin's accent? <laughs> it's Kevin's accent. It's Kevin's accent. That is correct. <laughs> ding, 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 Congratulations. ding. We had some commentary in the Patreon post about how we should really get our facts straight about what is the most 90s thing. And to that I say, we literally lived through the 90s as the, at the same age as these people. So if we get something, in your opinion, wrong, it doesn't get to be just wrong because we were also there. <laughs> you, you, can, you can have a different opinion, but we're not yeah. wrong. Nobody's opinion matters, but yours and mine right now. <laughs> Agree. When I ask you, what's the most 90s thing? Mm-hmm. Is it a co-ed naked shirt? I couldn't mm. remember if that was included previously. It might have been, but it's worthy for a second time. Uh, is it having the opportunity to explain the plot of while you were sleeping to a bunch of people who have no idea mm. what the plot mm-hmm. of while you were sleeping is? Mm-hmm. Is it when your parents get separated, telling your best friend <laughs> that your dad got a new job as the president of Hello Kitty? <laughs> or, and we didn't talk about this in the episode, but um, Nat and Travis have this little exchange where he says that Cindy Crawford asked him to like <laughs> meet up at the meat shack. Uh, so number four in, in your selections, your possibilities, your candidates is... Cindy Crawford being the first hot babe you can think of. Yeah. You know, I was going to go co-ed naked, but Cindy Crawford has taken it for me at the end. Good for her. (laughs) Cindy Crawford. Just the name on the lips of all of us for so many years. Oh, yeah. Is that also your... Uh, Do we always have the same answer? Are we the same person? We're we've we disagreed. I went with um getting a rib removed to suck your own dick <laughs> when you went with something else. Maybe coloring Typical. your nails with sharpies. Uh, I yes, think that was that, sounds right. that was our okay. one great divide that I can recall. But I'm gonna go uh, Cindy Crawford too because like Yeah. Come on. Come on. <sighs> okay, so shall we get into what's the buzz? Let's do it. All right, Jenny, what do you got? Okay, so for Jenny's Jenny's little ideas, <laughs> Jenny's <laughs> tiny little brain, uh, okay, we obviously know that Van isn't dead yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you've watched the series already, uh, you know this too. Uh, relatedly, I have- Thank God. <laughs> I, I have what feels like a big thing, maybe, on Reddit. It- it hasn't been 
proven fake at, at the time of this taping. Somebody on Reddit found some videos that were uploaded to Vimeo that appear to be self-tape auditions right. for people auditioning for the roles of adult Lottie and adult Van. Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. So apparently, uh, according to some of the conversation going on on Reddit around this post, which you can find on Reddit if you want to read it, if you want to find the links to these to these videos, and if you want to read the transcribed scripts, the audition scripts, mm. um, you can find that. I looked away as quickly as possible. I just tried to get like the broad strokes because I don't want to read, even if they're fake, yeah. I don't want to read no, the audition scripts. I don't want to see the actors, whatever. Uh, but apparently it's like very common to do self-tapes and then it's a very common practice to have have those self-tapes uploaded to Vimeo and usually people make them private and send the link as part of their audition submission. But it's not uncommon for people to accidentally forget to click private. So is it real? Maybe. Could it be an enormous misdirect uh, campaign by the people making the show? Sure, why not? Uh, I don't know. But also recently I was reading that Melanie Linsky had said in an interview something about them looking for an adult van and that she wanted it to be Natasha Leone, her friend Natasha Leone, but she was oh, like, oh, Natasha's Right, baby. right. Which Natasha Leone is not no van, simply not No, van. I love Natasha Leone. Love, sure. love her, but I don't see but her as adult van. The concept, what if the creators and actors in this mystery show stop, like, talking about everything all the time? <laughs> But it's so fun, especially because we really don't know what could be planted and what could be real and what have you. But I mean, Van and Lottie make the most sense. I mean, you know, you and I very much, very much thought that that we were going to get adult Van in the finale. Like we really, really yeah, believed we hoped that at the time. And we were very sad, especially when she got bit, especially after the wolf attack, because, you know, it's like. Oh, that sets itself up so beautifully for a reveal because she'll have right. this big scar on her face. Yeah. Um, so I still, I, I still think yes, we're gonna, we gotta get Van. Van is yeah. it literally. I mean, she cannot be killed. She, the girl cannot. No, be yeah, yeah, she's invincible. A lot of people on Reddit think that I've been reading the season two predictions, and a lot of people think that either Lottie really is alive and is kind of like some kind of cult leader and mm -hmm. that van is a part of that or that maybe van is using lottie's name uh and running this organization no uh not I, van i'm just i'm just telling you the most practical among us no uh, also okay this was really interesting to me as well this in the season two prediction hypotheses some people have been have been uh thinking that maybe Javi is alive and well, mm -hmm. living in the tunnels that Lottie saw in her baptism vision from the last episode. Oh, my God. The, like, Freddy Krueger tunnels? Yeah, the, like, uh, I am an industrial basement. Why? Why would he be living in wet tunnels? Why would there be wet tunnels in the middle of the wilderness? I don't know. People get up to all kinds of stuff on Reddit. Uh, Reddit I, is wild. 
a turn has been made in the in the posts that were made just after this episode came out. Uh, most of Reddit seems still convinced that the blackmailer is Jeff, unless it's Adam and the term Glittergate 2021 <laughs> is being thrown around liberally. Yes, yes, the glitter. Also, so to that Adam of it all, you know, watching it again with the knowledge of what happens to Adam, because that was like a huge what the fuck, because we were all, most of us were like all in on Adam as like a massive reveal in the finale. And then <laughs> he dies. So it was like, <laughs> wait, what? You get, and so watching it again, it's like there is, there really is no way we're done with Adam, dead or not. Like it is clear that there is more going on here with Adam than just like this innocent guy who got mess mixed up with the wrong folks. Um, we'll see. I I think we're I think there's more. I think there's more here with Adam. Um, yeah. I also was oh so I had written down the line that Thaisa says at the beginning of the episode where like she needs to get help for them and like help for herself because it's almost winter. And you don't understand how cold it is, right? It's like where dying will feel like falling asleep. Oh no, that is lit. That is literally what happens to Jackie. Uh, I also was reading some. I'm I'm bad because I did not pull like the actual Reddit links in here, but I was reading some stuff on the wolf attack because it is not at all common in fact incredibly rare maybe has like never happened ever for like wolves to attack a person like they just mm. don't they just don't do that that's not what they do um and so there was one theory that i read that because we see taisa like shoot the flare gun and then we see her like you know hacking 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 that like this person or these folks were theorizing that actually that's Thaisa's memory of what happened but what actually happened was that there were no wolves and she was the one that like fucked up Van um so I don't know I don't know how that would connect with because like clearly Van lives and we see Thaisa and Van and they are still in love so I don't know how that would connect there, but I do. I think why I liked it was not necessarily for the theory itself, but just for the idea that like this wolf attack and even the way it's filmed, like it feels like we're in Game of Thrones. That Like it's everything. It's like so yeah. it just feels so set apart from so much that I just wonder what more we will pull out here from the wolf attack. OK, I think we've buzzed, Jenny, unless you got any more. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we've once again been talking for about twice the length of the episode, so we're we're probably about good. I mean, it's got to be a testament to, it's either we're bad at this, or the show's writing is some of the tightest writing that has ever it's been written. It's just, like, so dense and rich. What they say in, like, some of these, like, quick one-off lines, it's impossible to discuss that quickly, you know? It's yeah, like, when totally. you, when you, like, it's, it's literally Pandora's box. Um, totally. So, <laughs> so onwards and upwards next episode uh is flight of the bumblebee uh that we will be discussing and we've only got three left for the for the season um also so many of you have been tweeting the cover of hollywood insider which is a fucking delightful photo of our four adult uh soccer team members 
um, outside of this like kitschy trailer looking so fucking hot. Um, it's very fun. And I have not read the article yet, but I plan to. Um, I'm just here for the pictures. I'm like a child. I'm like, can I have the picture book, please? Thank you. Oh, yeah. Look at them. Yeah, they look fantastic. And I've seen a couple of like out outtakes i'm sure they're they're in like the online article as well but like the you know the glossy nice one is on the cover but then there's some of them just like being adorable i love them so much (laughs) smiling yeah they're having a having a blast wow none Uh. of these actresses had worked together previously oh wow that is pretty remarkable given that they all were working for the last (laughs) 30 years yeah all right, Jenny. Um, I guess it's time to vocalize eerily. <gasps> All right. Till next time. <laughs> How do we do? I think we did great. And I think that everyone needs to know that while we were doing that, we were just looking into each other's eyes and kind of, (laughs) I I got scared. I got broken eye contact. (laughs) Halfway through, I panicked. (laughs) (laughs) Slowly, gently, night unfurls its blender, grasping. Sense it, tremulous and tender. Turn your face away from the garish light of day. Turn your thoughts away from cold, unfeeling light. And listen to the music of the your eyes and surrender to your darkest dreams purge your thoughts of life you knew before close your eyes let your spirit start to Hey folks, I'm Yen. And I'm Nat. And we're the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. Comic Sans is a show for people who know nothing about comics, like me. And people who love them, like me, and want to learn more about them. What makes you an authority on comic books? I read them, write them, live them, breathe them. What makes you the authority on knowing nothing? Honestly, Yen, two seasons in, I actually know a little more than I used to. You're welcome. The reason for that is that every episode, I make Nat read one of my favorite comics, like Daredevil Saga or This One Summer. And then he tells me what makes that comic so special. And then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. You can listen to the second season of Comic Sans now. With new episodes every two weeks. Wherever you get your podcasts. You know, Yen, I think I know so much about comics now that this might have to be our last season. Nat, there will forever be more comic than you will ever know. What does that even mean? I don't know. It sounds profound, though. Right?